This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Okay, if you don't like curse words, you better plug your ears right now because this fabulous social lady wrote one of the most downloaded presentations in the history of SlideShare called What the F*** is Social Media? And she wrote that eight years ago. That decision to write that presentation launched a career trajectory that has helped pave the way for people in the social media space for years. You'll hear an amazing career ranging from large companies like HubSpot to startups to her own business, introducing the amazing Marta Kagan, who is the CEO and founder of Martify. Get ready. Welcome, Marta, to the show. Thank you, Carrie. Great to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And of course, I've known of you for many moons now because you have a very long history in the social media world. But of course, before you know, I go through my experiences of, of seeing your stuff, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit of the story of your career and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, I have kind of a sordid story. <laughs> I love a sordid story. That makes for a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. My career, I would describe in two words, as a happy accident. Nice. Um, I went off to college not really knowing what I would do other than thinking, hey, I'll go to medical school. My parents are doctors, and I get good grades, and I like science, and, you know, one of those, one of those moments when you're 18 when you don't really know what you're doing yet. But I had grown up really wanting to write. I loved writing. I wrote my first novel in pencil on lined paper when I was eight. <laughs> nice. And uh, I loved art and music. And my parents, you know, were immigrants. They were very practical. They were both doctors. So anyway, I'm off to med school. And then my junior year, I went to Israel. And on our very last day of a six-week trip, I had my first epiphany, which was, I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> this is totally the wrong path. So... I did not have a plan B, unfortunately. So I graduated and I moved to Boston because there was a boy I met in Israel. Of course, of course. And, of course, right? Oh, and boy. <laughs> whoops. And uh, again, that was the first happy accident because I'm still in Boston. I love it here. And I got a job at a biotech startup, just an entry level job doing customer service, and quickly realized I don't want to do that. Okay. And I need to figure out a plan B. I ended up going back to school to get a master's in physical therapy, still sort of thinking the, the science medical route, okay. Okay. kind of deeply rooted. I'm but with when, you. I'm following this whole thought pattern right here. I, I okay, told I've you it's sorted, Carrie. I told I've you. I got it. I got <laughs> it. I'm in it. So I graduated from PT school right around, it was 1999, the Balanced Budget Act had just passed, which meant that funding for rehab mostly through Medicare, was cut dramatically. And nobody would hire a new grad. Everyone wanted at least a year of experience, 
which I did not have and which I could not get. So plan C was put into place and that really was temping for some management consulting firms, for Berkeley School of Music, any place I could get a few bucks to figure out, you know, what I was going to do next. Yep. And this is where writing and music and art came back into my life. I started uh, creating cover art and promotional pieces for some of my friends who were in local bands. I started designing PowerPoint slides for some of the executives that I was temping for, and they thought I did a great job, so I got more of that type of work. And pretty soon I put together a little portfolio and got my first real job in marketing at Standard & Poor's. Um, I was probably a good 20 years younger than everyone else that worked at this location. (laughs) And I think because of that, this was early web now, right? Very early web. They said, hey, you're the young girl. You go figure out what we should do with the web. And so that was my entree into digital and digital in the marketing space. And then not six months later, I got a call from a friend who was uh, the head of recruitment for Razorfish, which you might know was one of the very first digital agencies. Yeah. And so I ended up getting a job there as their first producer in the Boston office and spent a couple years there and really kind of never looked back. That's wild, though. That's yeah. Like from going from creating a couple of PowerPoints uh, for the an executive and then liking it to really channeling your whole career in a different direction. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought up my interest in the beginning, because it's funny how things you know you love, but don't seem practical and wow. don't seem like the path you should you know, major in in college or follow initially, have a way of winding back to your heart and soul and Incredible. manifesting in what you do, you know? Incredible. Okay. So then there you are at Razorfish and what's next in your career? So I spent a couple years there. I worked at another Fortune 500 company, you know, doing sort of the same thing, working yep. in a business group. I went out on my own for a couple years and ran my first company, which was Lifeline Coaching. I did uh, life and career and ultimately business coaching for young folks just a few years younger than my young self at the time. Wow. And, uh, had a couple kids along the way and then decided I wanted to go back into the working world, but... I wasn't going to do the corporate thing anymore. So I started looking for jobs with startups, ended up working for a startup that did not work out, actually a string of startups that did not work out, as many of them don't, uh, called Blue Egg. That was in 2006-ish, right around the time I joined Facebook, right around the time I discovered social media. And then fast forward two years later, I was at another startup and got invited to speak in front of a, a group of you know, female entrepreneurs, a local organization, no big deal. And I was obsessed with social media at that point. I was you know, telling my boss every day, we got to get on this. We need to do this. We need to do that. And everyone was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Not now. Um, so I put together this presentation called What the F is Social Media? And everything changed. That was the tipping point. So talk a little bit about this presentation, this small presentation that you gave to a a group of female entrepreneurs and what it turned into. Well, like I said, it was no big deal, but I did it quite differently than most of the presentations I'd seen before or at this organization. I kind of borrowed from what I'd seen on TED Talks and, you know, some of the, some of my heroes, how they did their work, like Steve Jobs, for example. And I did the presentation to a room of skeptics. I got a standing ovation, a thousand questions. The next day I had, <laughs> I kid you not, job offers, consulting offers, more opportunities to speak. And then I posted it on SlideShare, which was 
a brand new social platform at the time. It was like the YouTube of PowerPoint. Yeah. But, you know, 2008, there were barely any people on social media, period, let alone on that platform. Yep. And in 24 hours, I sent it to seven people and posted on SlideShare. And in 24 hours, it, you know, blew up, quote unquote, for 2008. It had like 50,000 views or something. The rest is history. And to date, that SlideShare, along with the sequels that you created for that, are some of the most downloaded presentations on SlideShare ever. Isn't that correct? They still are. Yeah. I will toot your I will toot your horn, even if you're not tooting at the moment. <laughs> I will say. And of course, I do remember that presentation. And then from there, okay. So you hit this, and here you go. And now you're pretty widely known in terms of the work that you've done. And so, what happens next? So I start getting calls from big brand names, Fortune 500 companies, companies that I always wanted to, you know, yep. work with or for, yep. who were just starting to try and consider this. They weren't even figuring it out necessarily. They were just curious. I ended up, for example, working with eBay for a while, helping them figure out their social media strategy. And little by little, I got pulled back into the startup world um, and ultimately ended up landing at HubSpot, which is one of our local heroes here yes. um, in the startup world. And I, and I spent a couple years there as their head of branded buzz. And then I left there three years ago and I've been mortifying things on my own ever since. Tell me a little bit about what you do now at Martify, which I love. As I told you, I love the name because you get it. You totally Martify a business. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I work with executives and entrepreneurs, either in a private coaching, consulting type of capacity, helping them tell their stories, basically, in a variety of media, social being a big one. But that can include you know, video, presentations, audio, podcasts, what have you in the boldest, simplest, most remarkable way possible. And then last year, I also founded an online course called Ace the Pitch, in which I teach folks how to mortify things. I teach people how to do that for themselves. So it allows you to scale you, really. Exactly, exactly. Wonderful, wonderful. Do you think that some of this was timing-based, or do you think that today somebody can position themselves and say, okay, I want to really cut through the clutter on the internet and be known sort of as this influencer. Like for you in circles, everyone was after you because you had these great presentations and you were known. Is it as easy today to be known on the internet in terms of influence around social media or has the landscape changed? Well, the landscape has certainly become more crowded. So in that regard, it's more challenging. Timing was in my, on my side in that yes. sense. Yes. That said, I still think that there's always a way for an original voice, an original perspective, a fresh way to tell your story, to engage people. That field will remain open forever, no matter how crowded it gets. But the difference, I think the nuance is that it's not just about content anymore. It's about experience. Mm, talk to me a little bit about that. So content is king, right? That's the phrase that's tossed right. around like breath mints. Mm. <laughs> and everyone's creating it. And we're inundated with information. It's constant. It's a constant stream. But not every piece of content creates an experience, leaves an impression. An experience is something different. It's not just information. It makes you feel something, not just learn something or understand something. So that nuance, and that can translate into certainly physical experiences, but even experiences online, even little things like how you 
follow up with someone, for example, that becomes yep. a follower or a fan of yours, how you respond to comments that come your way, how you surprise people. So all those things, emotion being, I think, the central word I would bury into the word experience, that I think is the big difference. And that's where I think people can really stand out because in a sea of information, you know, the only way to get noticed is to get someone to like feel, right? Right. It's to really get them to, to feel something because it's especially, you know, the way that I describe this a lot is like people who are staring down at their phones. If you ever see their faces, it's kind of like, like a zombie, you know, (laughs) mouth mouth hanging open. And like, if you get them to feel, it makes their face move. It's like kind of, that's, that's how, how I often look at it. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely true. And do you think that, you know, when you put your stuff up on SlideShare and it was was still a relatively new network, pre LinkedIn, pre all of that stuff, do you recommend now when you're looking at ways to really brand yourself and look at these types of things, um, focusing on one particular network or a new or a niche network, um, versus kind of doing the, a broader be everywhere at every point. Like, what do you think in terms of developing that type of strategy? Are you a, a you know, go everywhere or is it go, go big on one kind of newer or niche platform? My personal opinion is that you want to be as specific and focused as possible as a starting yeah. point, And from yeah. there you can grow, you yeah. know, you build that foundation because the thing is, if people find you on that one platform and know you for that one thing and love you for that one thing, they're going to want to know where else you are and what else they can get from you, right? So that's where you start to grow into other areas. But that one size fits all, that becomes mass marketing again. And I don't think that works, you know, in social any more than it, than it did, you know, in traditional media. And what most excites you about the changes that have happened in social media lately? What, what network or experience or what, what really gets you excited for the future of social media? Well, I'm loving the personalization opportunities. Specifically, there's so many tools now that make it, that make possible what once seemed like a dream, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if I could create a unique experience for each person based on what they're interested in, based on who they are, based on how they found me and what particular piece of content drew them to me? That I think is really exciting because we're, we're again, we're all inundated with information and it's like garbage, garbage, garbage. But if something really speaks to me, I'm going to, I'm going to sit up and pay attention. So that I think is really cool. And you know, that used to be only available for big dollars to big companies. And now there's just a ton of tools that make that possible, even for a small business owner like myself. And what are some of your favorite tools? Oh, geez, where to begin? Um, <laughs> My newest favorite one, specifically in the presentation realm, is Slidebean. Have you heard of them, Carrie? Yeah, they're they're pretty slick. They're basically an engine that creates presentations for you almost in a snap, like literally in seconds. All you have to do is put in your content. They have beautiful pre-designed templates, great color palettes to choose from, and great typography all built into it. And then the templates actually kind of walk you through, add this, add this, add this. I literally created a super simple presentation today in less than five minutes without any of the headache that PowerPoint causes for me. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one that's a favorite of mine, um, that I use for creating, you know, lead gen type of Yep. pieces of content is designer with two R's at the end. So the way you spell designer, but with the second R. And this is a great platform where you can actually take a URL from say a blog post you created, dump in that 
URL and boom, bang, voila, it creates for you an ebook or a downloadable PDF that you can, you know, you can tailor and customize it, but they have, again, gorgeous templates. It formats it for you. You don't need a designer. You don't need all the fuss, like take 10 minutes and you've got yourself a great lead magnet that you can put up on your website and start using today. Oh my goodness. How cool is that? Yeah. Yep. Two amazing new tools today. And so it's not just about the tools, though. Of course, it's about the content. And when you created some of these presentations that have generated, what, over 10 million views on social media, right? Are we looking yep. at over 10 million? Wow. Yep. And so when you do that, what, what do you think about before crafting a presentation to really make sure that it maximizes the impact? Well, I start every presentation, in fact, every piece of content I create by asking three critical questions. The first question is, what's my objective? (laughs) Seems seems obvious, but it's funny how easy it is to skip that step and just sort of jump to what the thing is you want to create. But I get really clear about that objective and not just I want to raise brand awareness or I want, you know, to get some new business. I get very specific. I want a thousand new followers from this category, you know, like as specific as I can possibly be, because that helps me narrow my audience. It helps me customize the content, helps me think about the next question, which is what do I want my audience to feel as a result of this content? And that gets to that experience piece I spoke about before, right? It's not just content, it's experience that is king. And so if I can get into their minds and think about, well, What keeps them up at night? What do they love? What are they passionate about? What are their pet peeves? How can I make them laugh? How can I make them freak out? Like whatever is the thing I'm going for, that emotional question is the second. And the third one is what do I want them to ultimately do, right? What's my call to action? What's the rally cry, if you will? Uh, That's how I begin any piece of content. And believe it or not, I don't start with any tech tools. I start with post-it notes. Amazing. I am also a big post-it note gal <laughs> myself. It's so it's such a great easy way to and visual way to do an outline. It's true. Absolutely. And speaking of post-it notes, there's another tool I'm going to throw <gasps> in there. Tell me. This is my new favorite. It's called Post-it Plus. It's an app available on iPhone and Android, made by 3M, the makers of Post-it Notes. Okay. And it lets you take a photograph of your Post-it Notes, you know, all over, like strewn all over your desk or your wall or however you have them spread out. Take a photo and then it turns each one of the Post-its into a digital Post-it that you can then manipulate group in different ways, change their colors. You can create new ones in the app if you like had another idea and you just want to add it right in the app and then share that with your team or with a client. It's fantastic because it puts all of that work in my pocket instead of left on my wall. (laughs) That is so awesome. This might be the most useful podcast of the all the social ladies out there. I love (laughs) all of these tool tips. It's unbelievable. Okay. Last question for you. Yep. So how many years ago was What the Fuck is Social Media? That was eight years ago. Okay. If I asked you the same question today, how would your answer change? What the fuck is social media? <sighs> it's the way we communicate now and connect. It's like the fabric of communication across the globe. Who would have thought all those years ago that it would have become so much more than just a conversation tool and an actual utility in how we operate our daily lives? It's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay, Marta, when people want to connect with you, where do they go? I am at MZ Kagan. They can visit my website, which is martify.com. And they can also find me on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash martify it. And one thing I wanted to offer to folks since I mentioned these on the podcast, Carrie, is that 
the tools that I mentioned, I'm actually about to post a roundup of those three plus seven others. So 10 awesome tools that will help people be more productive and, and better at storytelling in whatever medium they're using. I'm going to be posting that later today. And then I also have a cheat sheet that kind of outlines the entire process and makes it super simple and super painless. And they can get that at a bit.ly link. So it's bit.ly slash seven steps cheat. Amazing. And also I assume you'll be posting that link to designer and then having it converted into an amazing ebook done. Yes. So awesome. (laughs) I love it. I love it, Marta. Thanks for being on the show today. You are one fabulous social lady. Oh, my pleasure, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.